This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. So I guess Kevin Boyle is the the new John Gibson, right? Uh 35 save shutout <laughs> for your boy, Kevin Boyle. My boy. To end the Ducks' seven-game losing streak. Did not, we didn't expect this, right? John Gibson goes out of the lineup, and, and all due respect to Kevin Boyle, but Chad Johnson is also out, who hasn't been playing well. Ryan Miller is on the bench, but I don't think he's 100% healthy. So Kevin Boyle's the guy who gets thrust into the starting position, and what a game from him tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, you could kind of um, just this whole season's weird in the first place. And the fact that your GM is coming in now and being your coach, but it's really kind of like an evaluation process where he's kind of figuring out who's going to play who. And uh, then he has to put, you know, he comes in, he's got two of his top goalies on the IR. The other one's just coming off the IR and in a backup role. I don't feel like, uh, you know, Miller was maybe in that position to actually start. But if he's going to back up, might as well start. So for like most people, you probably would think, oh, well, they're totally tanking. But at the same time, I feel like he wants to know where his assets are and how they can perform. So I actually like that he let Boyle play and Boyle, my boy. Yeah, your boy 35, Boyle. that's coincidence. Like Jaguar, his number. And uh, apparently the last guy to do that for the Ducks <laughs> in his career debut, well, it's John Gibson. So against? a little bit of comparison. Was it against Vancouver Connection? Hey, it was against Vancouver five years wow, ago. That's, uh, <laughs> that's some interesting symmetry there. But, right. of course, like we said, going into the show today, the Ducks end their seven-game losing streak just in time to probably go right on to another seven-game losing streak <laughs> and make it four on the season. But we could be happy right now. So we got a win to talk about that. I know that's it's unusual. Been a it, it, we've had two in the last 21 shows. So it's oh, nice Jesus. to actually uh, have something positive to talk about. But uh, I guess going into the, the game today and the, some of the pregame notes, there wasn't really many positives because John Gibson is on the IR with three separate injuries. It says head, neck and back, which I would assume is is like, I guess, whiplash after getting hit by Jake. Uh, by Jacob Magna, or Oof. I don't know what it is, but that's what the report says. Is he has they got head. brutalized in that hit. I mean, um, name any other, like, you, you did the strong, um, you know, for example, Andrew Cogliano standing there and taking that full knee to the head, back, neck area. <laughs> you tell me he's going to just pop right back up and be better later. I just, that, that was, that was brutal. And, uh, makes a lot of sense he's he's on uh, a little bit of a, a downer right now i think the head and the neck injury are from magna hitting him and the back injury is just from carrying the ducks all season <laughs> hey <yo>. like that <laughs> that would be more logical but uh chad johnson also got hurt i don't know when but he got apparently struck by a puck and uh, uh, it was had... uh, it was in uh practice just the other day apparently Okay, so he, of course, in, in typical Ducks fashion, he gets hurt in practice. Yeah, he, he complained about headaches, and yeah. so the protocol, they're, they're going to just wait. But, I mean, at this point, if Ryan Miller's that close and Boyle's there, why not put him on the IR? And, 
you know, let these guys just kind of work itself out. And then, you know, a week later, see where uh, Chad Johnson might be. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't think Ryan Miller was 100% because reports even a day before he was listed as a backup today were saying he wasn't 100% to go. But if you're, you know, the Ducks and the uh, the Canucks are in a similar situation where the Canucks are scrambling to find goalies. They did the unthinkable, something that doesn't happen that often, where they actually had to call uh, an emergency goal out from the OHL and Michael DiPietro for their last game against San Jose. And he got absolutely shelled. I feel sorry for the guy. It must be difficult to be playing in the OHL for the whoa, entire whoa, whoa. season. My, Michael DiPietro? So, Mike? Yes. The Mike? No. No. Michael DiPietro is oh. a young goalie that the, the Canucks drafted who's, in the OHL. Rick who's DiPietro. Who's the other DiPietro? Rick DiPietro is the... Oh, Rick. The, Sorry. Yeah. I thought his name was Mike. I don't think there's any, there's, there's any relation there, but... The, no. the Ducks and the Canucks both having goalie issues where the Ducks have two of their, or th- I guess three of their goalies are, that are injured right now. Kevin Boyle's really the only other guy you can throw in there, and you got to at least have somebody on the bench. So Ryan Miller yeah. ends up being the backup. I don't think even if this had gone really bad tonight that Ryan Miller would have been put in because I still don't think he's 100% to just get thrown into a game. I think, he, he, you know, if he had to go in, if Boyle got injured, he probably was okay to at least play, but I don't think he's 100% yet. Yeah, I guess because, I mean, I feel like it was, you know, like a week ago they were talking about how close he seemed to be coming back. And it's, it was, it's like they had a very long, uh, you know, they had a, their road trip, but then there was a very long period before they came back home and they were playing home. And so I felt like he was maybe a lot closer than it appears. But, I mean, if, if they didn't start him, it was either a uh, – hey, we're going to tank, or hey, we want to see how our assets are, or hey, this guy literally cannot play, so we're just going to keep him on the bench as, as a guy at yeah. this point, a cone. As, as you need a backup there, so you have <laughs> yeah. him as a body. But uh, as for some other transactions for the Ducks today, Holzer got sent down to San Diego, and Max Jones is a little bit of a surprise call-up from San Diego. I, I didn't really expect that. It kind of just came out of the blue because it's not like the Ducks have any forwards out of the lineup or any new forwards out of the lineup. But he comes in, and Gibbons ends up being the healthy scratch. And, of course, what we've all been waiting for is this was Bob Murray's first game as head coach (laughs) of the Anaheim Ducks behind the bench. Still took some getting used to seeing him sitting behind the bench where you you haven't seen that before. You don't really see too much of him. But, uh, I mean, he'll take it. He gets a a shutout, obviously backed by a goaltender. The Ducks didn't play well by any means in this game. But he gets a shutout in his coaching debut. (laughs) And if he if he wanted to promote Marty Wilford right now, he could end as a 100% winning coach. And uh, there you go. I don't think too many guys can have that where you say, I've won every game I've ever coached, and I, I have a pretty good record as a general manager as well. Yeah, I mean, like, he's done everything else well. He's, he's done scouting well. He's a VP. Uh, he's a general manager uh, of the year award winner. And now he played coaching won one game and just can literally move on and go like, I never gave up a goal as a coach. So uh, <clears throat> shine those uh, fingernails really hard in this uh, show, everybody. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, it was not a, uh, a textbook win, a stellar win, uh, an know. unusual this win. This is a textbook Anaheim Ducks win this year. Rely on goaltending. <laughs> and, uh, and you score one goal. <laughs> And uh, that that seems like a regular Anaheim Ducks win to me. But the the lines did get changed up a bit. And uh, this was interesting because we were wondering how Bob Murray would approach this and what he would put back together. And surprisingly enough, he puts Lindholm and Manson together, which now I I don't know. This this could have been at request of some of the assistant coaches. Who knows? But we were wondering why all season. For me. yeah, I, I mean, or us. we were wondering all season why they weren't together. Then all of a sudden, Randy Carlisle's not here, and you see Bob Murray put them together. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say I know for sure that it was Randy Carlisle who wasn't wanting to put them together this year, uh, but it is a bit of a coincidence that he is now gone, and the first cha- major change we see is you put Lindholm and Manson back together, which it always should have been. I mean, the other defense pairings weren't great. We had Magnet with Montour and Fowler with Del Zotto, and that didn't work out at all, but at least you had Lindholm and Manson together. Yeah, that was uh, probably the, the the biggest drawback, and once again, it, it, it kind of comes back to where they wanted to get a little bit faster, a little bit this guy with that guy, and that'll help uh, make us a quicker team or a team that can compete with other fast teams 
it was annoying to me to see that uh, Lynn Holm and Manson weren't together, and it took so long. They tried it in the 53rd game of the season, and only for a brief moment, and they went right back to whatever else was not working for them. Um, so it was great to see that work, and then they gave up zero goals. Not that uh, their game was all that great, but that's what everyone's been like. That's what worked last time. Let's just let's at least get back to that. That's like bottom bottom base things like let's build on that and get better from there if we can yeah i mean lindholm and manson were good tonight and i I mean i guess we shouldn't be surprised by that because they generally are pretty good when they're put together i mean yes the game they were put together this year was against the leafs and the ducks lost six to one but that also was against the toronto maple leafs and the ducks were just playing some horrible hockey i mean hasn't got any better but Let's look at those bottom two pairings and, and quickly go into them because I, when I saw this lineup get tweeted out by Eric Stevens and saw that they decided instead of going foul and Montour to split it up and almost go what the Ducks had seen last season where it was uh, Boschman, and Montour and Fowler Bieksa, we now have those two replaced with Magna and Del Zotto. And, you know, Magna and Montour was bad, but it wasn't as bad as Fowler and Del Zotto were. I mean, they... They just were a mess all night. Uh, it, it, you could kind of see that right from the start that you knew that was going to happen. Like Delzato is not the type of guy that is going to work with Cam Fowler. I mean, it's hard to find a guy to work with Cam to begin with, and Delzato just wasn't that guy, and they just did not click tonight at all. Yeah, it's it sucks, and I feel like it sucks for most Ducks fans because they've been um, fed how great Fowler is going to be or how he should be. Um, But I don't think he's ever going to be that player you think he is. I mean, tonight, you know, once again, I hate to harp on a guy who just literally became our leading defensive games played player of all time, passing uh, the late, you know, Ruslan Saleh. But at the same time, I just don't see Fowler is capable in this NHL, and he's not going to live up to the expectations that everyone's kind of had for him for as many years that's there. I hope that changes, but literally, I I think the time for Cam Fowler has come and passed. Uh, you know, he's still got some value, and. Uh, I just don't see him as a good defenseman, and there's no giant offensive upside that Montour couldn't provide. Yeah, and, and you know, looking at the forward group and what Murray changed up tonight, I, I generally liked pretty much everything he put together with these lines. There's maybe one thing I would change, but obviously he, he kept together Raquel Getzlaff and Perry. He kept Henry That's what Ritchie. you would uh, change? Or no, 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 no. no, I'm just going through the lines. I'll tell you oh, okay. when we get to it. But he had Raquel Getzlaff and Perry on the first line. He had Richie Henrik and Sprong, which makes sense. They've probably been the Ducks' best line over the last oh. few games, which is not not hard to do when you look at how the Ducks have been playing. Uh, but then we saw a little bit of a change-up. You saw Grant with Shore and Silverberg, and you saw Ryan Kessler demoted to the fourth line playing with Rowney and Max Jones. Now, even before the game, before we, we saw how great of a game Max Jones had, I think it probably would have been better to have Jones okay. instead of Shore on that second line and have Jones, Grant, and Silverberg and Shore, Kessler, and Rowney. That, that's probably the way I would have gone with that. But all things considered, it was still a nice change-up to see those lines split up and, and Ryan Kessler put on the fourth line where he's not really tasked with having to shut down the, the opposing team's best players. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, I, yeah, I was confused of like how you hated uh, any of the lines. And I was like, oh, yeah, Max Jones, he was on the fourth, huh? Uh, yeah, I would want him a little bit higher up in that. Um, he, he does what Ryan Kessler does from a wing position, but he does it where, where what Ryan Kessler used to do. So Max Jones, in my opinion, could easily be one of those impact second line I mean, even the top line. I mean, if, if the way he put, plays, the way like he, play, he just he, he gets line. in, he moves around, he 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 uh, creates body contact, and that's uh, you know, I hate to call it quintessential Ducks hockey, but the fact that he hits somebody, he's willing to go to the net, find that rebound. It's it's almost like it's like a, a Kessler or a Corey Perry 
esque type player, and um, and I think he's got enough of talent to actually start putting the puck in the net. He he hasn't done it yet, but I feel like he's just a little bit away from doing that. Yeah, he came pretty close, and you have to you have to look to the the best chance he had, and we'll get into looking at that shift uh, <laughs> after we go through the game, but. The best chance he had, he wasn't even on the ice with Kessler and Rowdy. I believe he was on the ice with Silverberg and possibly Henrique was out there at that time. Or maybe it was Derek Grant. I'd have to go double-check the third guy that was out there. But he was out there with some better players. And he gets a, a, his best scoring chance I think he's had in, since getting a call-up this year at all. So I think he's due to get some more top six minutes, maybe play with a, a, a better center, whether it be Adam Henrique or even Ryan Getzlaff, and that may be a guy who can get him the puck more often because he is the perfect guy to compliment anyone. We talk about Andre Kasha being that type of guy where you can plug him on any line and just because of the energy he has and, and just the hockey IQ and the drive he has, he just works with everybody. And Max Jones kind of reminds me of that type of player. He's obviously a, a bit different, not as skilled, uh, when you look at the the moves that uh, Andre Kasha makes on a nightly basis, but he's a big body. He plays with energy. He plays with passion and he goes to the net and he does have the hands in tight to make things happen. It hasn't got to that point for him yet where he's been able to put the puck in the back of the net, but he's doing all the right things to eventually get to that point. And quickness. He's got quickness. Uh, yeah. I think uh, him and Kasha have that same skill set and that is just being quick enough to get there you don't have to be necessarily the fastest i gotta outskate connor mcjesus all the way to the net but if you're quick with the puck and you're quick in your decision making that goes a long way uh in this nhl now it's just it's just quickness it's just i, I don't have to think i'm just doing and it happens that's all you have to do exactly so let's let's quickly go through this game because it was a rather boring game and not too much happened. <laughs> it was typical Ducks hockey, but they were able to scrape out a win, obviously, on the back of Kevin Boyle. But in the first period, it was a little bit tentative to begin with. I think both teams were feeling each other out. There wasn't too much pressure from either team. Good forecheck here and there from the Ducks, uh, but the defense was playing a bit soft, which we've seen pretty much all season. But then kind of against the grain of play and in a bid and, and with some good zone pressure from the Ducks, they do get the, the first and only goal of the game from Jakob Silverberg. And it's nice to see him get back on the board and uh, start scoring some goals, especially if uh, he's going to up his trade value to hopefully get moved at the deadline. But it's a, it's a nice pass from Devin Shore behind the net. And Silverberg is in prime scoring position, which is where you want a guy like Jakob Silverberg to be, right, in the high slot. And he's able to put it past Markstrom to put the Ducks <laughs> up one nothing. Yeah, uh, lucky for uh, him. He's in the right position, and the goalie is without a goal stick. Yeah, That his own defenseman just knocked out of the way. Uh, I mean, that's kind of where... You almost laugh at, uh, oh, the Ducks won. It was one nothing, but they scored the only goal. Yeah, they scored the only goal when their goalie got their stick knocked out of their own hand by their own defenseman, and then you leave the top, this is sad, top goal scorer who has 12 goals all alone in front, and he ends up burying one on the stick side. So it kind of blows for Markstrom, um, nice enough for the Ducks, but uh, it's it's not something I'm uh, ready to just like, you know, cheer. Let's throw a parade out. Yeah. No, I, it, it's nice, like I said, to see him get on the board. But it is, again, Markstrom loses his stick. It's hard to, to, to kind of be comfortable and make a save at that point. And Silverberg's just left unmarked in a prime scoring position, <laughs> which we've, we've seen from Ducks, uh, from the Ducks on, on their end defensively, mm -hmm. allowing those prime scoring positions. It's at least nice to see the Ducks cash in on a chance like that. Uh, but then. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Ah! Yeah. Sorry. Well, things, things, <laughs> things started to get chippy after that, which is weird because, you know, this, these teams do have a bit of a history, but oh. they haven't played each other in a while. And I, I don't recall last time that they played that things got this out of hand, but I, I don't know if this is Bob Murray telling the guys to go out there and, and play on the edge and, and play, uh, like you said, prototypical Ducks hockey, but Ryan Kessler decides to get in a fight with Joss Levo. And uh, I'm probably call it a draw they didn't really land too many punches and they just kind of spun each other out to the ground uh yeah. but that that was an interesting one because ryan kessler hasn't really done much as of late and i guess to see him at least be passionate and get engaged to the fight is nice 
Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely doesn't fight. And the fact that he fought the uh, another the other seventeen on the uh, Vancouver Canucks side was kind of interesting. But yeah, it, that whole first period, kind of almost throughout the game, uh, it just felt like the Ducks were like, okay, the big boss is here, and I need to show that I'm still engaged. I'm willing to fight. And like I said, the prototypical Ducks is like, you know, all right, let me regress. The The Ducks have have been the easiest team to play against because A, they won't score against you. B, they'll let you shoot a ton. And C, they'll never fight you. And I haven't seen a fight or, or something where they're physical against you. So the fact that we're even willing to throw out two fights within, the, you know, the first half of the game is amazing to me. It's at least something where people are, you know, we're trying to get back into it. Our goalie's playing good, you know, back up goalie. But I mean, it's just like we're missing the teeth. Either you score goals, you don't let up goals, or you fight. You got to do one or the other, or the other three. And I've I've missing the the bite that the dogs have had. I, I think a lot of people have because it's been yeah. something that has been a topic of discussion even for us on the podcast and multiple times throughout the season this year that the Ducks just don't have that that bite like you said or that that grit if you want to call it that they don't they haven't really played with an edge lately and that comes with just not playing well and, and being yeah. a bad team and and you know they're not a team that generally goons it up as much as they used to and they just aren't they weren't really playing with an edge and this was a little bit of both it was a bit of gooning it up because you know there was really no reason for these guys to fight there's no history there i think the ducks were just trying to make a statement early that they were fed up with the way they've been playing as of late and they weren't going to get pushed around so i i kind of like that setting a tone there but things did just kind of still get chippy after this there was a lot of pushing and shoving after the whistle ryan gets left maybe on accident ran into Jake Vertanen in the middle of the <laughs> ice. And I feel like he didn't see him, saw him last minute, but then decided to say, I'm going to hit this guy anyway. So I'm just going to throw my weight into it and knock him down. I, I don't think it was on purpose. I don't think it was malicious, but you know, he saw that he was going to have to run into him anyway. And I think he just gives him a little bit extra at the end. I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to give, uh, 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 captain dad, the, uh, the the benefit of the doubt because I feel like he came in he was like moving and that guy came in he's literally like if he wanted to bulldoze him he could literally just lean forward he leaned back and if you lean back or you get upright that's that's not you trying to hurt somebody that's you just trying to avoid it so if you're upright or back you're good if you're leaning in then that means this is gonna hurt you more than it's gonna hurt me. So I don't feel like Getzloff was maybe trying to do that. Unfortunate as it was, I feel like he was like, oh, this guy's probably going to go underneath me. And then he didn't. And then he's like, crap. All right, there it is. It happened. And he got stuck with it. And he, he didn't like it. And I, I just don't feel like it was uh, malicious in any uh, <laughs> way. Uh, I mean, that was pretty much the big play, I guess, or the, the, the big ending point of the first period, because it didn't really seem like much was going on. But you come out of that first and the Ducks do have the one nothing lead, but Vancouver somehow was out shooting them 15 to six and it didn't really feel like that. Yeah, I don't I, th I think it did in the sense that it did feel like the Ducks only had six shots on goal because they were generating offense, but it really didn't feel like Vancouver. It didn't feel like a normal Ducks game where they're just yeah. being dominated. Well, a normal Ducks game lately is four goals <laughs> against in the first period, so of course it didn't True. feel like that. They actually True. had the lead for the first time in three games or where they scored the first goal. Uh, so that was nice, but it didn't feel like <laughs> Vancouver had 15 shots. It didn't, you know, it didn't seem like they were controlling the pace of play that much where they were out tripping the Ducks shots almost so you know wow. it was prototypical in the sense that the Ducks were getting out shot badly but it, I don't think they were getting outplayed to the extent that it looked like on the score sheet or on the shot yeah sorry. and that extended I guess uh, throughout the rest of the game I mean if you think about it they got they got Pedersen who's you know uh, easily gonna win the uh, you know rookie of the year 
Uh, but then you, and then you got Bo Horvat, and then you got uh, Brock Besser out there, and no one's really generating a ton of offense against the Ducks. So, I mean, as bad as the Ducks have been, they have not had those guys really get, you know, knock on the door other than uh, Pedersen a couple times. No, exactly. And, and that was the most dangerous line, which it should be. Pedersen and, and Brock Besser looked especially dangerous tonight for, for the Vancouver Canucks. And that's just kind of how it's been all season for them. They don't have a lot of scoring depth when you get outside those top three players that they have. Uh, they, they've been really struggling in that sense to find some secondary scoring, as has, have the Ducks. The Ducks haven't really been able to find scoring in general, let alone secondary scoring. So it's been uh, <laughs> it's been tough for both teams. But We'll go through the second period here because this is where I was a little bit worried, uh, of course, because the Ducks have been horrible in second periods for the last three seasons. Uh, yeah, pretty much, I guess, for the last three seasons, if not more. Oh, and, yeah, you know, no, uh, I'm, go- I'm going back eight seasons. Yeah, uh, even when they won the cup, I think they were horrible in the second. They just became better in the third. Yeah, it, I mean, it's been, it's been noticeable for a long time. So, I mean, we're we're right to worry about going into the second period. But it was a relatively uneventful second period where there was some pressure from both teams. Silverberg had a pretty good chance, drew a penalty as well. The Ducks had a couple power plays. And, of course, nothing going. Struggling to get entries, which has been a problem for the Ducks all season. Even when they do get set up, the chances they get is a lot of perimeter passes, and it's not really a high-quality shot attempt. And that's been the story of the Ducks' power play all season. Bringing in Bob Murray and replacing Randy Carlo isn't really going to change that because, yeah, it's a bit on the system, but it's also on the players, and the players just have not been able to get this power play going, and, and it's just been an issue for the Ducks all season. Uh, but Ryan Getzlaff gets probably the best chance the Ducks had on the power play because he hits the post. I mean, at least <laughs> on that power play, they were getting close. And it, that one was a bit on Jacob Markstrom for being out of position. But, yeah, hey, I mean, he's shooting the puck and he's hitting the post on the power play. If he keeps doing that, maybe eventually it's going to go on the back of the net. No, bring back the Walrus. Uh, the, the one time the Ducks are really amazing on the power play and they were a legit threat. Uh, through all the season was when uh, the walrus was in there. And I, I'm, I'm baffled why he didn't get that chance to actually coach the Ducks. And they went straight with Randy Carlisle. I I felt like he should have been the guy, in my opinion, because that power play has never been anything close to what it was. And it was number one. And that was given, it was his job to make the power play the number one power play, and he did it, and they said, well, we're going with Randy Carlock. He also had the number he, one penalty kill, didn't win. he? <laughs> they, they, they had that one season where they were number one at power play and penalty kill. Paul McClain, sorry. There we go. It took forever for me to figure out his name. <laughs> I don't even know where he is now. I don't know if he's coaching. Nothing. He's nowhere. He's why, why not bring him back at least as an uh, assistant, someone to do with a, a freaking power play to make something work? Yeah, I, I don't the know. The last with, time with, the power play was number one was him. Yeah, with, with this team this year and with how things have changed since Paul McClain would be here, I mean, maybe he makes it a little bit better, but I don't think he immediately takes this from the worst power play in the league to a top 10 power play. I don't think one guy Who took the that. worst defense to the best defense. Barry Trotz. There you go. All right. So but there's a I, possibility. I don't, think, I don't think, as Barry Trotz, I guess, is the wizard of defense, I don't think Paul McClain is the wizard of all power plays. Otherwise, he'd probably have a job in the league right now running somebody's power play. I, I think he, he would probably do no a better job. I have no idea why he doesn't have a job. That was yeah, the last job I'm he had. I'm surprised, too. Was maybe making that's... the Ducks, Ducks power play good. He did it. And then he said, and then he was not called coach. And then he said, all right, well, I'm out. And then no one wants to talk to him. I have no idea why. Yeah, and I don't. I haven't heard anything. That might be a personal decision on his part. Who knows? But uh, one of his our favorite mustache must offend a lot of people. Yeah, this is. I, I what I loved about him <laughs> is the guy that used to sit behind. I, this was that when he was with the sets. Oh, yeah. The guy who used to sit behind the sets right? bench. Who like he wasn't there to do that. This is just literally a random guy who bought season tickets to the Sens behind the bench who looked so exactly like Paul McLean. Like, that's what made it the best. Like, if it was just a guy who knew he looked like him and he just sat behind the bench, you'd be like, yeah, it's funny, but whatever. Like, he's doing it on purpose. 
This is just an oblivious guy who had no idea, and it just so happened that he got <laughs> he to just, take well, the back. I don't think it was oblivious because he like he didn't like get in real close when like he was walking around. Yeah, like, but he even Paul McQueen like looked purpose. at him because like, all right, you're you're yeah. on point. <laughs> Like, I, I think he had that mustache beforehand. He didn't grow it for Paul McClane, and he, he probably had those seasons before that, too. And it just, the, the stars aligned in both of oh, so together. Probably one of my favorite moments. <laughs> right. Uh, one of our favorite segments on this show is anytime John Allers come, brings out a new Allerism, we, oh, get, to, God, we get to talk about it and rip it apart. But Allerisms. he was talking about Jacob <laughs> Magnet's brother, Jason Magnet, who used to, as he said, have a couple cups of coffee with Vancouver, uh, then just paused and said, well, now in the in the Washington organization. And that was, it. That was the extent of his uh, analysis oh, on Jason Magnet. Playing whatever I, I think Jason Magnum played a few seasons in Vancouver, so I, I don't know his definition of a couple. Of what, whatever, but the, the hell? Why do you say it's like his brother, Jason, is in a, a Vancouver organization for a couple cups of coffee? Now he's in the Washington organization. <laughs> it's like okay, thanks couple cups of coffee what the, what the hell does that mean and why are you wasting my time with that bs so, why are you moving on to washington and he keeps going he's just like come on allerisms we love them as, as awesome as they are to talk about now and they just they frustrate the hell out of me listening to them yeah we, we love them but <laughs> that that wrapped Love up the second him. period because there wasn't much that went on in the second period. The Ducks came out still up one nothing. Shots were twenty three to twelve. Uh, the Ducks had a uh, did they have a shot advantage in that one? Uh, yeah, they did. Sorry, they had an eight to six shot advantage in that period. Or Vancouver had an Nailed eight to six it. shot in that period. Wait, who? Wait, who had the advantage? Vancouver had an eight to six shot advantage. So not as bad as the first, where they got out shot fifteen to six. So optimism there that the Ducks had a little bit better of a. Uh, have a second period than Vancouver did. The, the Ducks also had two power plays at, that they that kind of helps in at least limiting shots again. So not too bad there. Uh, then the third period comes around and the Ducks say, you know what, we're 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 going to try and blow this as as much as we can, and we're going to take a couple penalties uh, against not I would say not one of the most dangerous power plays in the league. But Elias Pettersson has uh, established himself as a guy that will set up in the op side of Ovechkin because he's a left-handed shooter. and Exactly is, what I was thinking, too. Yeah. He's like the opposite of Ovechkin. It's just he's on that side. But most goalies, I mean, you can't score short side on that, so he has to actually take it and shoot it far side on most goalies. Most goalies in the NHL are left-handed catching. I mean, it's very rare you get a hiller where you're you're goofy. And you start shooting this way. So, I mean, yeah, that's weird. But at the same time, who do you give a bomb of a shot to? Yeah. Not him. Yeah. It, you know what? It, it's funny when you look at Elias Pedersen. He does not look like a guy you would want to set up on a one-timer on a power play. He's a very skinny, lanky guy. Probably, I, I would assume, I mean, I'm at his draft, he's like 150 pounds. I'm sure he's nothing north of 100. Uh, I mean, soaking wet, yes. Yeah, and he's, <laughs> but he just rips it. I mean, he gets a lot of power on these shots, and I've seen him score it's a couple one-timers on the power play this year. So the Ducks were trying to shoot themselves in the foot. Richie went off for tripping. Raquel <laughs> had a penalty for slashing. Luckily, they were able to uh, kill off those penalties. At one point, what I thought was a crazy save by Kevin Boyle turned out to be Josh Manson kind of saving his ass because initially he bumped <laughs> Kevin Boyle out of the way, and then it just hit him. And it, it, it was going into the net. It just hits Josh Manson and it goes wide. So lucky to that point. But this was <laughs> this was Kevin Boyle's period, right? Like this Ew. he was making some some great plays in 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 this period and making some pretty decent saves. He didn't make any ten bell saves in this game, but he was just solid. The, 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 you know, he was reading the play well. He was out and, and challenging guys pretty much on every play that he could. He was just in the right position all night. Yeah, and uh, that happens a lot. Um, when there is no book on a goalie and how to beat them. Um, so, for example, Kevin Boyle, uh, you know, you just can't really figure out how his tendencies are unless you've watched him in the 
AHL and then can kind of figure out those tendencies. Over time, you can figure out goalies, and it's kind of the same with Matt Murray is one example where you can – he's good, he's good, two seasons in, and then all of a sudden you can kind of like, okay, this is what he tends to do, and this is how you can take advantage of it. And there's, uh, there's something to – beat him on or there's something to take advantage of and uh Boyle's not there yet he's uh and he's a very happy he had a great game I mean the fact that the Ducks fans were actually saying go Ducks go I haven't yeah. heard that uh, since <laughs> last yeah. season I think or maybe so, I mean, there's one stretch this a- year he's able to do that makes me a little bit happy or a little bit optimistic um but it can also just be you know New new goalie, no one yeah. knows exactly how to beat that person. It's, this, it's the same way when, like, we get scored on. The guy is, hasn't scored. It's 50 games in, and this guy gets his first NHL goal against our goalie. It's just yeah. odd. We, we see this every now and then. Uh, I guess you could say on a regular basis where some, guy, some goalies will get their NHL debut, and they'll get a shutout, and then the hype about them will grow a little bit more. And, and I'm happy for Kevin Bowen. He played a great game. Uh, but I think you got to temper your expectations a little bit. A lot of people going off and saying, you know, he's going to be, be a starter at some point. Even no. even saying he's going to be the backup next year is a little bit premature when you look at the fact he's only played, you know, one and two quarters of a or one and two thirds of a game. I'll in argue NHL that so far. We'll, we'll get that? to that. We'll, we'll Can get I argue? to that. We'll get oh, yeah. well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna finish yeah. off the game. Lekot said, <laughs> Lekot's pretty much summed up the game. He said Boyle won the game and the Canucks are awful. And then also forgot to put in the fact that the Ducks are also awful at the same point. <laughs> and uh, they, our goalie just outgoalied their goalie in this game, and the Ducks <laughs> end up getting yeah, the Ducks end up getting a one nothing win. But now, now we can talk about Kevin Boyle. Uh, he gets his first you. career. Finally, we can talk about goalies. As we talked about, he has a 35 <laughs> safe shutout. But what I loved about it is at the end of the game, just generally surprised, excited, happy, just in disbelief that he actually did that. He got a, a shutout in his first uh, NHL game, and Isn't it's so nice good. to see that. It, you know, a lot of times you see goalies, especially John Gibson. We're so used to John Gibson just be cool, calm, collected. Van doesn't Dan. show any mesh, uh, any emotion whatsoever. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Kevin Boyle, again, he looked cool and calm in this game, but the moment it's over, he just, you know, he lets out a little grin, and he just puts his hands on his head, and he just, yeah. just laughs. I'm like, I'm uh, I mean... couldn't believe it. But <laughs> let, let's break, break down you know, his game a little bit and, and where you think his projections are. Cause a lot of people shouting him out already <laughs> to be the backup next year behind John Gibson. Um, yeah. The only, uh, I don't disagree with him being a backup. Uh, my only, <laughs> my only fight with people might be just that. Oh yeah. He's going to be that next um, top goalie. He will be, forever behind John Gibson if he stays here. He might move on. Um, at this point, I, I love him as a backup. I haven't seen enough of him being a backup, but I've seen enough of uh, Chad Johnson that I don't want it. And uh, Ryan uh, Miller might stick around for another year. If he sticks around for another year, I want him as a backup. I feel he got a raw deal just with his injury. <clears throat> moving forward, if he can actually be healthy next year, I'd rather have him as a backup. Boyle get another season, and quite honestly, if 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 Ryan Miller can come up and start being the top guy, and then Gibson's not that far out, and then uh, Boyle can go down and just you know win a Calder Cup, that'd be amazing. As yeah. far as his progression. There's no way I want him to be the top guy. Uh, Gibson's the top guy. Do not try and trade him. I've seen so many other people try and say trade Gibson. There's no effing reason to trade Gibson at this point. He is your ace in the hole. Uh, Boyle is a very, very good backup. And Miller is probably the best backup unless he's injured for a very long time. Yeah, and, you know, I, there's no question, we've already talked about it, everybody knows this, who the starter for the Ducks is going to be as long as John Gibson is here. It's going to be him. 
the backup is a different question. And, you know, Ryan Miller, I still think, despite the injuries, is the guy you, you got to go with, at least for now. And if there's a chance that uh, I would consider bringing him back next year, as long as he's 100% healthy because of how good he's been Agreed. for this team. And I, and, and I get it. I, you know, a lot of people want to rally around Kevin Boyle for, for good reason. He, he's played well with the San Diego Gulls. And he played well tonight. He played well in the game that he had to come in in relief in the last game for the Ducks against the Flyers. So he he's been good, and I get it. I just think it's a you know it's a bit premature to to say he's going to be a backup. I want to see more from him. I want you know eventually when Ryan Miller's ready to go and and either Chad Johnson or, or uh, John Gibson is ready to come back in, send him back down to San Diego, let him finish the season out there. Like you said, hopefully win a Calder Cup, and then we'll see more from him. Uh, either in in training camp next year, and you'll get a better idea if the Ducks don't go out and and bring back Ryan Miller, or they don't go out and get another backup. You'll you'll know pretty much from that point on that they're going to put some confidence in having Kevin Boyle as their backup next season. Yes. So I play goalie. So for those of you thinking I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, um, I would love. Uh, him to play as backup, but I would rather have Ryan Miller be backup next season than him. I want this guy to go ahead, play another season in the AHL. And if he can do another season in the AHL, the one thing about goaltenders, they take a little bit longer. And the reason they take a little bit longer is because they have to have experience. And what I mean by experience is like they have to experience two-on-ones, three-on-ones. They have experienced all the crap that sucks and just learn how games develop within a breakout, within anything else. Well, the, so it the just game's takes a little bit too. longer. The, the game is, is it's, I, I, you know, it's different for everybody who comes up. It's different, you know, from a guy coming up from junior hockey to the AHL, it's different. From a guy coming up from, the, from junior hockey or even from the AHL to the NHL, it's different. It's different speed, different physicality. It's just a different type of game, but... I feel like for goaltenders, it, it, it's kind of amplified a little bit more, and it's why you don't necessarily really ever see a goalie come straight out of junior and hop into the NHL. The closest thing I, I remember having that is Carter Hart this year, where he came right I out of junior. I knew you would bring him but up. But the thing is, too, though, he came right out of junior, <laughs> and he struggled in the AHL. And that's yeah. what you tend to see from, from goalies who make the jump up to professional hockey. Uh, the weird thing is he ended up getting the call up to the NHL and just played great. And, you know, I don't know what the, the huge difference is between that. I know the AHL game is different than the NHL game, so there could be some things behind that. But it it's why we have that narrative that goaltenders generally take longer to develop than, than forwards or defensemen. It's just, it's been like that for a long time. It, the game is different at each level for goaltenders, and it takes some adjustment period, whether it's one or two seasons in each league, for them to adjust and really get ready and, and in place to go. And that's why goalies generally aren't in their prime or aren't really competing and saying they're in their prime till about 25, 26, 27, 28, around there. Yeah, they're, they're going to be the oldest players that actually get to their prime. Everybody else at this point is now in their early 20s when they kind of hit their prime and goalies hit it at 25 to later. And they just kind of go beyond that. But, you know, it, it, it's interesting. But at the same time, it's, it, goalies are different. You're going to have to accept the fact that uh, Boyle will not probably be the backup after this season. It's all John Gibson and just enjoy the beauty that is what John Gibson is bringing to this franchise because it's unparalleled. Yeah, Kevin Boyle's still young enough that when they do need a backup and he is ready to go, that he'll still be here. But on on the topic of John Gibson, because with the injury, of course the narrative has come back out uh, that made John a glass. Gibson is made right. of glass, that he's injury prone, <laughs> that the Ducks should go as far as trading him because Ooh. he's injury prone. You knew these were going to come up the moment he, not only the moment he got injured in that Second game. Second he got bowled over by his own goddamn player yeah and, and then you hear today that he's on the ir <laughs> and that that really amplified and took things to another level is because now he's back on the ir and and, and those comments come out but oh, Christ. that happens to any goaltender 
they're going to be on the IR the next day as well. There's, there's not many guys who are going to come back off of that and be okay because he takes, you know, Magna doesn't just lightly bump into him. He flies <laughs> his head at full force. Like, no, like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, like no matter who you are, that that's going to injure you and you're probably likely going to end up on the IR. So, listen, we've heard these comments dating back to the beginning of John Gibson's career after the first injury he got. And they, they resurfaced when, and, and they resurface anytime the Freddie and, and John Gibson discussions come out and how John Gibson is injury prone and the Ducks should have kept Freddie Anderson. And anytime he ever gets up slowly, goes down, misses a game, has to leave the game because of injury, they always resurface. They're always going to resurface with John Gibson. But it, it's ridiculous at this point to say he is injury prone or he's made of glass because he spends a couple days on the IR. He still plays a ton of games every season. He just occasionally takes a trip on the IR because he plays a ton of games, or he gets bowled over by Jacob Magna and has to miss a couple games. Hopefully it's not too long, but when you hear the fact, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, he's got three separate injuries or an injury that is affecting his head, neck, and his back. So I don't know how long he's going to be out. I, I hope it's not too long. I mean, most Ducks fans, if, if you're on the tank train, like I guess a lot of us are, and you want to lose for Hughes, maybe it's a good thing he's out. But realistically, we want him to be healthy. You want his long-term health to be okay. So hopefully he'll be ready to go soon. Well, the other thing I'm annoyed about is that, like, uh, you know, look at uh, Pecorino. He had nothing but injuries leading up to when it was, what, 30 four 33 something like that all of a sudden he's not as injured and he's a uh, Vesna worthy uh uh carrie price has had nothing but injuries missed an entire season of being an injured goalie so i just don't i don't understand where everyone just loses their damn mind every time john gibson gets maybe a little bit of an injury I understand that early on when his technique hurt him, and that was his technique going a little bit more extreme than he had to be. And when you go extreme, that's when you're going to be injured a lot more. He pulled that in, and that was two years ago where you pulled everything in, and then all of a sudden, the injuries just went away for the most part, except for freaking injuries where someone comes running out kicks out his left leg, he goes down hurts his knee that's not his fault it's not it's not training it's not that he's he's a uh, you know a horrible uh person where he can't avoid injury it's just literally he got just just kicked out his leg this one his own teammate ran into him after he's been carrying this team forever like you said his back is probably hurting from carrying this team for so goddamn long that he's like, F it. I don't care anymore. Let's just add the back to the list of injuries behind my neck and head. Yeah. It, it's been a tough year for John Gibson because his Vesna <laughs> hopes and even some people, oh, they were, were, they were, were long gone by the yeah, way. Yeah. And, and some people were including him in the heart discussion. And I think for good reason, because of how much he meant to this team. If, if you're looking at the most valuable player in this league to their team at one point this season, and probably still John Gibson is among the, the, the players in this league that are most valuable to their team. Because he is everything for this team. Without him, if you have an average goaltender, the, the Ducks are easily in the bottom of the NHL by probably a wide margin, probably even lower than the <laughs> Ottawa Senators. You just, you just look at they, they know, be last. I mean, goal they, saved they above average again. They that, are getting huge. You can look at goal saved above average to kind of give you an idea of of how many more goals the Ducks would allow based on uh, if they had an average goaltender. And at one point, this they season, won't Ducks, look at it, but it's all right. No, but at one point this season, John Gibson's goal state above average was like 20, right? And and if you even if you go look at War as well, you'll look at how many wins above replacement he has, and that will tell you how many more losses the Ducks would possibly have if John Gibson wasn't in the crease. And I know you can do this for any goalie in any team, and and it's gonna do do the same thing. But it's just ridiculous what John Gibson has put together this season, and it's unfortunate that he's going to end up missing out on a Vesna. He probably should have won if the Ducks were just a somewhat decent team. Yep. 
I'm sorry. I, I have no, no I, idea. It, it's we've been talking about it for for the entire season, but yeah. there was there was there was some news that came out that again sparked a little bit of controversy between Ducks fans and and wondering what it what it means and and what is the reason behind it. But the Ducks are no longer holding morning skates, and this this is something that other teams have been doing recently, and it's in I you guess you like it. I like it. I like, and I think it's in the interest of either keeping players fresher and also not, you know, trying to avoid injuries as well. And there, there has to be some logic behind it. We've seen other teams doing it. Uh, I, I don't think it's just, you know, people are saying it, it's a negative thing and the Ducks are doing it uh, because they're playing bad this year. I don't think it has any link to that. I think I just think Bob Murray wanted to utilize that. He didn't think they needed the morning skates. Maybe it wasn't a beneficial thing. Guys weren't really participating. Who really knows the reason that they aren't doing them anymore? But I have no issues with it. Yeah, no, I don't either. And uh, I feel like it's uh, probably a good thing at this point where it's just like, um, are the Ducks really going to just compete for the Stanley Cup? Probably not. And so at this point, why wear them out every morning before a game? And especially if he wants to say, hey, show me what you got. Give me everything. If I don't have to run you through the grinder just before a game, show me what you got in the game. Yeah. And and if you could show me something amazing and you can show me like, oh, good. All right. This is the guy I wanted to see. Now I know where I stand. I know where you stand, and I can make a uh, a good decision on who I'm going to try and trade or, you know, what's going on from here. Because, I mean, this is all just to trade. You know, who's tradable, who's not. Yeah, Letcock says they're old and they need their rest. So that that's why <laughs> that's why they— Makes sense. I'm tired, too. Uh, that I'm could old. be, you know, that could make sense for a guy like Ryan Kessler as well. <laughs> Where uh, he like was that. skipping practices <laughs> last season because he was injured. So I, again, yeah. I have I have no issue with it. But the last thing I want to cover tonight, and it's probably the thing I was most excited about in this game, was the play of Max Jones, because he came yes. up surprisingly and had himself a game, and also had himself a shift. That one shift, I yeah. believe, in the third period that he had was unbelievable. It was about a 20, 25 to 30 second shift where he just didn't get let go of the puck. He sets up at the blue line and then he goes and drives to the net and almost gets a goal past Jacob Markstrom. I, I'll pull it up for everybody on YouTube, but just, just a great game for Max Jones tonight and really looking forward to if he's going to stick around in this lineup for the next few games and what he's going to bring. Yeah, like like I've said for a little while here is that I think uh, Max Jones is the Ryan Kessler on the wing. Uh, it's a guy that I can't wait to be a Ducks regular. Um, I mean, we've interviewed him, and that's what he said. He feels like he's that guy, but with a little bit more speed and a little bit more uh, youth in the legs, I guess. I can't wait for him to be there, and this is why I'm more optimistic about where the Ducks are going to go from this season on. Is just him, a Troy Terry who's more confident, maybe a Sam Steele, and it just feels like he and the rest of those um, gulls are ready to make that jump, and we have so many of them so ready. To make that jump, I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, and and Max Jones, especially on that play, just you see everything that you want to see out of his game. You see the speed, you see the size. I mean, he shrugs off a couple guys initially on the play. Then you see the speed. Right to the net. Exactly. You see the speed for him to wrap around the net. You see the creativity he has. and, And, you know, the fact that. A lot of players utilize a smaller stick in this game so that they can they can uh, puck handle in close a lot easier. Max Jones has a, a shorter stick as well so that he can do that. And he, he utilizes everything in his skill set. Like I said, the size, the speed, the, the ability to puck handle and stick handle in close, to make moves, to, to dart inside and out of guys, to make the pass to the blue line, and then also to drive to the net and get close to scoring a goal. One of the best shifts I've seen from a Ducks player all season 
which is saying something. But this was just an, an outstanding, an outstanding play from Max Jones. And and honestly, this is what Ducks fans have been waiting for from him. And he, we even before when he first got his call up earlier this season, he played well then as well. And he probably should have had a goal the way he was playing. Him and Troy Terry were playing really well, and they were playing on a line with Derek Grant. And that, at one point, was one of the Ducks' best lines. But I, I'm really excited and happy that he got the call up, uh, and even more happy with the way he played in this game. Uh, I mean, he looks like he's really fired up to be up here again, and he wants to stick around. This close to a goal or a point. I just, I, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, no, in my opinion, uh, he's, he's that next, that next guy that everyone's kind of waiting for on the Ducks. Yeah. The Ducks fan base is just waiting for someone like this guy. Yeah. And, and he's, again, he's going to be such a valuable piece to this team in the future because the Ducks have drafted a lot of smaller skilled players. We <laughs> look at Sam Steele and, and Troy Terry and Antoine Morant. And then you've got a guy like Max Jones that we've already said he's similar to Andre Cash in, in the sense that you can put him on any line. He's going to provide energy and he's just going to be a, a play driver on that line. And then you add in the fact that he's just a big guy and he'll be able to utilize his size effectively. And you know, once he gets more comfortable with his game in the NHL, he's going to be a very valuable player to this team, whether it's on a second line, a third line, or if you plug him in on a top line, he, he like I said, he can fit anywhere and now you've got a left side that eventually could be Max Jones and Maxime Comtois, some very big guys who have skill and, uh, you know, maybe not speed as much in the sense of Maxime Comtois, uh, but some very dangerous big players on the left side for the Ducks. Uh, in my opinion, for those of you who are trying to figure out where he might be or how you might, you know, put him in the NHL spectrum, he is going to be a Matthew Kachuk from the uh, Calgary Flames. He will be a winger that can also probably – its he's that guy that's either going to be a power play force or somebody in front of the net that just scores way more goals than we've ever been able to accomplish in recent memory so I'm, I'm very happy for max to be there i feel like he'll do our power play way way more uh effort or um something that just makes the ducks a whole lot better on the power play i, I, I love i love the analysis yeah, I, I know i, I it, right <laughs> i appreciate it uh but that's that's pretty much it for us today uh, again, we're we're actually happy to finally be able to break down a win for once. Uh, a lot of good things in this game, a lot of positives. Kevin Boyle, Max Jones, among others. Still some things the Ducks obviously have to work on. It wasn't a pretty game for them. Uh, it, it's reminiscent to when they were winning games earlier this season when they relied on goaltending a lot and got some good play from a couple other guys. But, hey, at this point, a win's a win. And when you've lost 19 of your last 21, the Ducks will take it. And uh, they'll take this into Friday, and hopefully they can build on it. But uh, now we're in this position, like, do you want them to win? You, you know, it's it's nice seeing them win, of course. You never want to see the Ducks lose. You never want to see your favorite team lose. But when you have the chance, like we've talked about, to have a top-end pick, and you're really not that far out of the playoffs still, you string together a couple wins, the other teams start losing, you kind of work your way out of that top-five pick, and uh, you're in a, in a precarious position. So hopefully... We can at least just break down a good game. Let's just say that on Friday, whether it's a, whether it's a win or a loss. Hopefully there's some positives that we can take out of it. Uh, hopefully Max Jones gets a, a, another place in that game and, and maybe moves up the lineup and gets to play with Ryan Getzlaff or Adam Henrique. We'll have to wait and see for that. Um, but a couple things here at the end. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, we are on Twitch. We do a couple bonus shows there. Occasionally, we do the Randy Carlisle getting fired show on there. Because <laughs> we actually did it on there because YouTube was having issues, but it was pretty fun to do it on there. We got a lot yeah, of it spaghetti. So it's uh, twitch.tv slash forevermighty, so go check us out there. We'll be doing a trade deadline show on Monday, February 25th on there as well. So if you haven't followed, go check it out there, and you'll get a notification when we go live on that date. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Leave us a review if you can and a rating. It really helps us to get the podcast out there and get it seen by everybody out there. 
Uh, cool Hockey as well. Got to give a shout out to them. They sponsor for everybody three stars, and it's the only reason we're able to give away a jersey every month to our, our listeners who enter through Twitter. If you're just hearing about it for the first time, 45 minutes before puck drop, we put out three predictions for that night's game. Uh, you get one point for every right answer, and at the end of the month, the person who has the most points wins that jersey from Cool Hockey. And, of course, the demand this year has been for the Ducks third jersey. Everybody who's won has gone out to get it. Uh, cool Hockey's currently out of stock, but that's how popular that jersey's been this year. Uh, but make sure you get out there and, and check that out. And then if you want a weekly recap of Ducks, Hop, of Ducks Hockey, we do do a podcast over at Pucks Over Feather now. Uh, just a weekly recap. We still do the post-game show and everything here. Nothing's changed with our Forever Mighty podcast, but we just do a weekly recap over there to kind of sum up everything in review. So we'll see you guys on Christ. You're I boring. Did. I know. Right. I got to wrap it all up at the end. You got to wrap it all up. You gotta, you gotta, this is why we save it for the end. You save it for the end because then if everybody, so, ever, to, so everyone hates us after her. Well, then everybody can, can tune out if they want to. You gotta, you gotta throw I'm already trying to tune out. That's all right. That's all right. All right. Well, it's been real, guys. We will see you on Friday for the next post-game show. It will be me and Pat, I believe. So we'll see you then. Bye, guys.